Ahoy there, mates. Welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. This is your host, Chris Desmond, and this is a show where we explore the science, the stories, and the strategies of getting out of our comfort zones so we can find where the magic happens for us. Now, today's guest is a young Aussie lad by the name of Tom Ahern, who is the founder of The Mindmate and co-host of uh, Adventure Fit uh, Radio, which is another awesome podcast you should have a listen to. And actually, he's just brought out his own podcast called The Mindmate Podcast, which uh, is, is kicking off and uh, it's going to be just as enjoyable, I think. So on the on the outside, Tommy is a hazy, typical young Aussie lad, uh, but on the inside, there's a bit of there was a bit of other stuff that was going on for for him. Um, the, he's gone through periods of anxiety, OCD, and and states of depression, and just had been feeling had been feeling really really isolated with that. But opening up about his mental health and and kind of working working through it but also talking to other people about it um, has been a has been a game changer for him and it's kind of led him to creating the mind mate and and trying to facilitate open and honest men, uh, mental health conversation uh, because it, because it is such an important topic um, and because we all have our own mental health and our own mental health challenges and struggles at times but we tend to we tend to work on these in isolation and not talk to people about it so the mind mate is a, is a great platform for for facilitating that conversation and that support around how people uh, how people manage their mental health so I applaud Tommy for for kicking that off so today's chat, we, we have a talk about Tommy, who he is, uh, about his mental health journey, uh, a little bit about my mental health as well, um, as well as some practical tips from Tommy about how you can go about managing and improving your mental health. Uh, I really enjoyed having a chat with him and I, I need to do a part two. He's uh, he's working on a book and he is going to be bringing that out in a few months time, so we have to get him back on the show then. But I hope that you guys very much enjoy getting uncomfortable with Tommy and I today. To the uncomfortable is okay podcast, mate. How are you doing today? Yes, very good, very good. It's a uh, it's a blistering forty two degrees here in Melbourne, my friend. So um, I'm managing, I'm managing. I've had a couple of sips of water and uh, and no salt. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet, no tequila yeah. either. No tequila, yeah, no yeah. tequilas. You're not uh, you're not looking overly sweaty there at the moment, um, but we'll, we'll see how you go. You're sitting on a leather chair there at the moment, so you might have to peel yourself off afterwards. Oh yeah, mate. Yeah, it depends on the sort of questions you ask me. I could be, uh, could be sweating profusely. <laughs> well, what is your name? there oh, is going to be some. Right yeah, there's going to be some pretty uncomfortable ones here. So uh, we'll, we'll see where we get to. Uh, I only see your top half, so I don't know <laughs> if you're just in a pair of like budgie smugglers down down below, or 
Yeah. I'm actually not wearing anything at all down below. Okay, so. that's, that's all right then. <laughs> I was, yeah. talking, I was talking to a mate the other day, actually, who's doing, um, he's got a lot of Skype business meetings going on at the moment. And um, he was like, yeah, we're a, we're a shirt and tie and blazer up top. And um, yeah, just a pair of boxes down below. <laughs> yeah. Way to do it. He's like, all I, I just need to remember to hang up before uh, I walk away. <laughs> exactly. Just keeps it casual. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, mate, that's a uh, that's a nice wee intro there. Um, but since we're we're beaming you in all the way from Australia, uh, we better get into this. Um, can you can you give us a bit of background about yourself, mate? Um, like where uh, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Yep. Um, yeah. So I was born here in Melbourne, which I uh, still currently reside. Um, I was born um, in 1993, so I'm a uh, I'm a humble 24 year old now, and. Um, I grew up and I, I went to some awesome schools. I had a fantastic upbringing um, with my parents who are, I, I kind of look at now as, as mates, not necessarily um, as, as, as father and mother figures. We've, we've just grown into this um, sort of friendship relationship now, which is, which is actually really fantastic. Um, and uh, I had a great upbringing, man. It was, it was fantastic. I, um, I played footy as a kid. I always wanted to grow up being an AFL player. Um, I don't love AFL as much as I used to. I still like it. I just don't find the time. Well, not find the time. I guess I just don't prioritize my time to watching um, AFL as much as I used to. But, yeah, my upbringing was great. And, um, I, yeah, still keeping in touch with a lot of the friends that, um, that I went to school with. So I've got no complaints on my end. <laughs> it's good. Nice, man. Nice. Um, what, when were you, what day were you born in, 93? Yes, I was born twenty eighth of March. I think I think um, I was born in the morning, like three thirty six in the morning. I mean, I don't know specifically, but I think it was three thirty six and twenty eight seconds. Yeah. Let's, let's run with that anyway. I was just yeah, we'll yeah, that. Yeah. just just wondering. Hey, I've almost got ten years on you, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 30, 34 now, and I was like, oh, yes, yeah. goodness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh. I mean, you made a you make an interesting point about your how your parents have kind of evolved into your mates now mm. as well, and I think I, I I found that as well. Obviously, that was a, a few years ago for me now, but it, it's kind of like mm. a tipping point that for all, that they're still your parents, and then you catch up with them another time, and you're like, oh, actually, like. The, the parents, but they're my friends now, rather yeah, than totally. someone authoritarian. Uh, or yeah, exactly. Not that we ever were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still get hit in the face, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but in yeah, I'm, not, I'm not knowing anything here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, nah, look, you're exactly right. I think a lot of this came um, through through their divorce. I was uh, I was 18 when they were divorced. My my um, sister was 16, and um, they stayed best friends. So they they genuinely and completely fell out of love with one another which was initially harder for us to understand as, as kids, as adolescents, because, you know, it was hard to explain to, to people. You know, you normally see um, as a social norm two people falling out of love and then hating each other. And, you know, there's, it's, a, it's a very disruptive divorce and, you know, you're staying at your dad's one time and your mum's the other time. But they stayed, they stayed um, great friends. They're still best friends. Um, and from that, I think we grew into this this family of four where we were all just able to – talk openly about um, issues that we were each having with life and things like that. And um, because I guess as, as uh, myself and my sister, um, we were kind of seeing it um, unravel from the top, you know. So we were like, oh, our parents are normally 
indestructible, and yet here they were um, not making their own things work. And this is just the mind frame that we were in at the time. But now it's just this beautiful relationship where not only do, do, do Lauren and I go to my parents um, for answers, but they also come to us for answers and advice and things as well. So we have this cute, uh, amazing little community of four that um that that we that reach that we're each empowered by. So the uh, again, it's uncomfortable is okay. It's that thing of moving through adversity always becomes a positive um, in retrospect. So it's good. Mm. Mm, yeah, yeah. And like that point that you make there is that when you go through adversity, looking back on it, you're like, shit, that was a, a really transformative experience for me. I, mm. I learned a lot about mm. myself and kind of the direction that I, I want to be going in from that and kind of mm. just about the way that life works sometimes. Definitely. But when you're, when you're sitting in that is it's not always uh, the easiest to see that and kind of you, yeah, hopefully you know that, yeah, at some point I'm going to look back on this and uh, actually see it for uh, the experience that it was. But it's really shitty to be in sometimes. It's terrible. It's terrible um, no matter what it is, but it's unavoidable in life. You know, that's just the way, you know, human beings' lives are, uh, these lovely conscious spiritual shells that we live in um or physical shells i should say but um it's just inevitable that you're going to go through shit times in life but really you know and this is this is um kind of looking on it as retrospect but also kind of um looking forward to the next one that i go through that they're great because you only you only improve from them and um you only you only yeah i mean don't want to go any further but you, you really do only improve from them and um there's not there's not one negative experience in my life that I haven't grown a little bit from. So it's it's just like you said, it's just hard to look at that when you're in the when you're in the shitter. But hopefully you're not physically in the shitter. No one would want you in there. But um, if you are, um, please use a peg. <laughs> Good fun. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I mean, have you have you always kind of viewed negative experiences that way, or is this something no. that you've had to develop? Definitely something I've had to develop. I think um, a lot of people out there are and were like myself. And you always, you know, something bad happens to you, and you're, oh, the world is ending. Why me? All these things, all your little thoughts and things that your monkey mind tries to to pull out. Um, but I think I'm trying. I'm trying to think that there probably wasn't a specific time um, that I remember actually changing my 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 thought pattern with adversity and with negative things going on in my life it's it's probably been a, a very gradual thing i do remember one experience um uh when i was coming out of a pretty average period of um obsessive compulsive disorder and, and anxiety um to to link in with it and i remember um i was sort of five six months into into meditation i should think it was a bit longer than that uh, maybe 10 maybe about 10 months or something um but i remember uh, i was walking up um my driveway um, I'd just been shopping. I was walking up my driveway and one of the shopping bags broke and it fucking happened to be one of the, the, the fruit bags. So all the fruit rolled down the fucking driveway and um, lit gen- like genuinely, you could not edit this in a film, but a car came and it rolled over all my avocados. And mate, avocados are the best. You can't yeah. beat avocado on toast. So I was gutted. But like straight away, I started laughing and um, I, I didn't mean to. I just started laughing. I just thought it was funny and um, – I walked down to get all the fruit and all this sort of stuff and ended up having a great conversation with a neighbor um, that I hadn't actually previously met. But I kind of just 
took a step back for a moment and kind of looked back on the situation that was and, and I was I was never someone to look at look at life like that where it's like, oh, you know, things happen. Um, but that was the first time I really had. So it was a it was a really cool experience for me just to be like, fuck, you know, that's one way to build smashed avocado, but it's also just another way to be like, oh well, you know, it's it's okay when life gives you lemons, essentially. So it was good. I don't know I don't know why I specifically remember that experience, but um yeah, it was a good one. That's a good, good st- that's a good story, man. And yeah. oh yeah, avocados it depends on the time of year, but they can get quite expensive as well. Oh, You're just like, ah, oh, shit. There goes fifteen bucks worth of avocados. Yeah, it's that's- forty eight grand worth of toast. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Um, I'm, I'm mind blanking now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It was a great. It was a great story. Um, yeah, I can't what stop it- thinking about avocados. <laughs> Just, I'm kind of hungry. I just had dinner, but I'm still still a bit peckish. Um, what I want to have a bit of a chat with you about there, mate. Now, you also mentioned um, OCD and anxiety as well, yep. and I know that's something that you've had to deal with um, uh, throughout kind of the the last uh, the last while. Um, when did you like? When did you first notice? That you had that uh, you had that going on, and did you yeah. understand it at the time, or did you kind of uh, appreciate it for what it was? Definitely didn't understand it. Um, I, I, the first time I noticed it was when I was um, walking home from school, and I'd I'd find myself um, trying to find rubbish in the area um, in in my neighbourhood, and I'd find rubbish, and I'd then walk around um, and. And put that rubbish in in a bin, and it would take me a little bit longer to get to to get home than it really needed. And the reason that compulsion developed was because I, I for some reason um, developed a bit of um, people call it Catholic guilt, but I don't really call it Catholic guilt. It was just this this idea or fear that I would go to hell and 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 suffer for for eternity. And that word eternity was was very triggering to me because. Um, you know, eternity in that regard describes this extremely negative hopelessness. You know, if you if you're suffering for eternity, there's no hope. There's absolutely no hope. And um, my my naturally obsessive mind, um, and I do just have a naturally obsessive mind. A lot of people out there do, um, for sure, and I'm I'm one of them myself. But um, my naturally obsessive mind just just um, kind of trapped me into this idea that if I didn't pick up rubbish or if I didn't constantly prove to to God, um, that I was a good Samaritan. I'm not even specifically religious, but, um, uh, you know, at least not with, uh, regard to institutionalized religion. Um, but if I didn't prove to God that I was being a good Samaritan, then I'd be judged and I would go to hell. And it, it was, it was very scary. It was very scary because, um, I was trapped. I was completely trapped. I felt like as soon as I had one negative thought, um, God would be able to infiltrate my mind and he'd see that. And obviously, what I know now is that you, you can't control thoughts. We have about 50,000 thoughts a day and it's just not, not something you can, can control, but I didn't know that. So, um, it was, it was quite scary for me. And then this, this, um, resistance to these thoughts, you know, grew my anxiety and, um, set my anxiety higher to, um, to other aspects of life. And, um, I was also very obsessive about my training, have to make AFL, have to make AFL, would do that. I had very, very intrusive sexual thoughts about um, co- constantly fearing that I'd somehow become homosexual or, or become bisexual. And again, it was trapping for me because I've, um, I've, I've never had an issue with, with um, you know, people's sexuality or anything. Never. You, you just grow up, you know, knowing um, who you are. And I think anxiety is the scariest when it 
attacks you at your 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 values, your your personal values, and things that you feel like are your foundation and rocks in life. And when your what ifs attack you with that, they're the things that can be really scary. And then it just grew into other things, and I, I became agoraphobic as well, and constantly feared that I would develop schizophrenia and all that stuff. Um, doesn't help with uh, social situations, so it was good fun. But yeah, definitely, definitely uh, that small little paradox or confusion between me going oh it's just a bit of rubbish you don't have to put that in the bin but then going oh yeah but if you don't then you know you'll be judged this kind of little confusion bubble that i'd fall fall into was like what the fuck's going on you know and um yeah it the uh that was probably late 2013 and um that ocd lasted probably up until halfway 2016 and we find ourselves in early 2018 now um so it was, it's been an interesting ride, yeah, but it was, um, again, again, man, it was like one of the best things that ever happened to me because I learned more about myself, I learned more about um, self-awareness, I learned more about the emotion of anxiety and what people um, themselves struggle with than anything, and I'm just so grateful for it now because um, it, it is something that not only needs to be raised in awareness, but actually need to be needs to be spoken about honestly and specifically and that's what i'm trying to do i guess is to um go off from that from that raised awareness we all know that anxiety and mental health disorders are a thing but what do they actually look like for people because when i started my rehabilitation process and 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 talking to um to others about it the amount of similarities i found even with my dad were just ridiculous and i was like wow if i just felt comfortable to talk about it initially i wonder what i would have gone through Having said that, if I had found it comfortably initially, I probably wouldn't have learned um, what I have now. So it's just um, it's been great. Yeah, mm. yeah, definitely, man. And thank you so much for sharing that. Actually, I'm sure it uh, there's a lot of people out there that it does resonate with. And um, mm. I think like you you made a you know I'm going to carry on with that for a bit. Yeah, but, but you made an interesting point um, about kind of you were aware of the paradox between. Mm. The not uh, not picking up the rubbish and the the perception of judgment and uh, mm. yeah I'm I'm familiar with the the Catholic guilt uh, yeah. <laughs> concept as well. That's um, a fun one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, was that kind of an awareness you had of kind of everything that was going on for you at the time as well as that you could look at it from a like an observational point of view or you just kind of get wrapped up in those thought processes. I think I was just very wrapped up. Like I just, I, I had next to no self awareness really. I, I was, I was chasing a dream of making the AFL of something that really society prizes. Um, some people obviously have that that dream um, uh, personally, which is fantastic, and they should pursue that. But I was just chasing. It was always a thing. If if I made AFL, then I would get all the chicks, and then I'd get all the money, and, and all this sort of stuff. It wasn't a if I make AFL, well, who cares? But I'm just loving playing footy every day, you know. So. It was a very big distinction that only um, coming through this process uh, became aware of. Uh, but I guess it was—it wasn't really um, me observing my my behaviour. It was just a very confusing ordeal for me because it was always this thing of well, I never used to do this sort of shit. Like, what am I doing? Like, it, I just um, it just changed. I, I the the compulsions, the compulsions that I think what you find a lot of OCD um, sufferers, past and present, talk about is they just develop. Um, my, mine certainly just developed and I never made any conscious decision to start picking up rubbish because that would, would, would help my, my judgment at, uh, at the, the gates of heaven. But, um, 
Um, but it, it just developed into this thing. And then these other compulsions developed with other things that I had to count and, and all this sort of stuff. But I spoke to a mate recently who um, who has OCD himself, and he'll find himself just watching and checking to make sure the 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 oven is is turned off. Um, but his actual his actual initial thoughts and anxiety stem from something completely different. So it wasn't it definitely wasn't an observational thing for me. And my 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 external circumstances were unraveling, like there were. Uh, moving houses, um, getting cut from footy teams that I dedicated my life to, divorces, um, very, very sick with drug addicted um, cousins and things, just other things in life that were making the situation a bit worse. But um, it was, yeah, I, I haven't really actually thought about this till you asked that. It's a fucking good question, man. I'd, I'd never, I'd never realised that um, um, I was stepping back and seeing it. I was just really confused. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I mean, it's not an unusual story, and it's like it's not unusual in anything, not just no, in, in mental health as well. That kind no. of things just tend to slowly build up over time, and there's there's a massive contextual element to uh, to kind of whatever is going on for you. Um, like yeah. My, my day job, I work as a physio, as I was saying. And yep. Like yep. we see a lot of people with chronic pain that come in and yep. that always happens in a context as well. It's always tied into into other things and your environment sure. affects kind of what's what's going on in your body, what's going on in your mind as well, mm. um, which is, yeah, kind of it's another really interesting sort of area. Um, when did you... So I mean, you you were really wrapped up in all of the stuff, mate. And like, Pretty when did up, you yeah. kind of uh, begin to sort of understand it for what it was, and then be able to kind of either start to start to have the confidence to talk to people about it, or start yeah. to kind of looking and saying, "Hey, something's not right here. How do I go about moving on from this?" Well, it's it's uh, the irony in this situation is just fucking great. Like I love it. And it was my mum had always brought my sister and up in that, you know, never, never commit suicide. I'll never do anything to hurt yourself because if you do, uh, you know, you'll, you'll have a very angry mother to deal with. And it, it was just, she'd always say that. And it was just great because, um, and I, the reason I say irony is because, um, I felt that when I started getting, I started getting suicidal thoughts. Um, and I actually, figured out a very logistical method of how, how I do it, which was, um, which is, uh, I'm quite proud of. It was quite accurate, mate. So <laughs> it was good. <laughs> but, um, when I started getting these thoughts, I became ironically trapped again. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Well, fuck. I mean, if I do this, then my mum's, I'm going to have to do it with my mum. So it was, it was almost lucky in a sense that I, I felt that I had to talk to mum about it. Um, which is just great. Like that, that's, I mean, an ode to how great my mum is. Um, but, um, you know, they're the, they're, they're definitely things where, you feel panic and um, you go, oh, shit, this is different. You know, I feel like I'm going to die. Um, and that's, again, what, what panic really is. It's a survival mechanism because um, if you don't follow it, you your body's preparing you for death or danger. But uh, I started – I spoke to mum about it and she came into my room one night and she said, hey, what's going on? And I was like, mum, am I a bad person? You know, and she said, what do you mean? You know, cl- saying the classic um, motherly things. And I was like, well, am I going to go to hell? And because I swear and because I've, you know, had sex before I was married and, you know, just stupid, stupid stuff that um, obviously I can recognize now as irrational thoughts. But um, she told me to start diary writing. And um, I went down, I went down from my bedroom, um, sat on the, on the kitchen bench and I started spewing out information and just went and went and went. And this thing, 
this was how cluttered I was. I didn't realize how much of this stuff was in my head. Um, and then mum recommended that I speak to a psychologist and, and that, that was on the 26th of January. So I think it was on, oh, I think it was around the time of Australia Day 2014 that I began my, um, um, my, my psychology treatment. Yeah. Awesome, man. And mm. obviously, you don't do any of that stuff anymore, uh, swearing or uh, sickness yeah, no, um, So, no, you, no, you're no, sorted. Um, I'm a good Catholic boy, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome, man. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong with this one, but like, yeah. the, there's obviously the the kind of slow burn in, in terms of the build up of the stuff that was was going on with you from the, the mental health point of view, but it, oh, it's yeah. also been kind of a bit of a slow burn on the sort of rehabilitation journey for you as well, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. It definitely has. Uh, I was always an anxious kid. You know, I didn't realize that, but I was always an anxious kid. Um, first few chapters of my book are completely dedicated to um, the anxieties I used to have as a kid. I mean, I've, just to let you know, like um, I can remember staying up late, literally not sleeping for days straight, um, panicking at the thought that, so I mean, this supernatural element has always been uncomfortable for me. Um, but as you say, mate, uncomfortable is okay. <laughs> pardon, pardon. But um, look, I mean, I remember staying up all night at the thought of this imminent ghost attack. And I remember thinking there were ghosts all around in my room. So in the middle of the summer, I'd have a doona over my head. Um, There's this tiny crack in my bunk bed of which I could look at. It was like my little watch out tower. Sheer panic would enter my mind when I'd have to wake up in the middle of the night and take a piss. It was the worst thing in the world, but I'd have to just get the courage somehow to rip the the, uh, the doona off my bed, run down the bunk bed, um, the stairs of the bunk bed, sprint down to the toilet at the other side of the house um thanks to mum and dad for renovating that one and then um go to the toilet and then jump back into my bed as quickly as i could because i literally felt ghosts on my tail all the time but i mean i just thought i was a normal kid you know you just don't know unless you start talking to people you know um so this stuff was was uh was with me from a very young age i mean that that is that that compulsive behavior of ocd was with me from a very young age i was just unsure that's why for me personally, not going to speak about anyone else, but for me personally, you know, I didn't just develop OCD. It was gradual. You know, I had these behavior patterns ingrained in me from as young as I can remember. So I was always dealing with something, and that's not a bad thing. I, again, I had an awesome childhood. Um, my football training was also very obsessive. I um, had a couple of surgeries in my knee, and I'd have to train, be the first person at the gym, last person to leave. My friend and I, Sean, we developed these training sessions that would last all day. And if we weren't buggered and couldn't move the next day, we'd have to do it again. And we, we didn't deserve going out and we didn't deserve our alcohol for the night. This wasn't him. This was just me fueling these things. So um, it was always with me. And I guess the big thing that set my anxiety level to panic stations and what probably caused the um, the OCD and anxiety that I'm public about now with, with the MindMate was a drug trip on um, very, very potent mushrooms up in schoolies. And they uh, that was a pretty average experience. Um, again, a great experience because I learned a lot from it. But um, that was the moment, that traumatic experience, that acute traumatic experience that set everything higher. And then I was like, all right, now I've, um, I've cooked myself here. So I've got to, I've got to, I've got to um, deal with it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Again, thanks for, thanks for sharing all that, mate. And um, I mean, 
I never, I never had ghosts as a as a kid chasing me. But <laughs> like you'd uh, coming back from the toilet at night, eh, you'd jump from halfway across the room oh. uh, so that you Mate, didn't uh, didn't put your put your feet anywhere near underneath your bed. Oh, 100%. Yep, 100%. It's a weird thing. How many people have that where they're like, um, you can't dangle your feet over bed after like a certain time or like something can pull you under? It's like, mate, my, under my bed's great. <laughs> <laughs> All I've got is a pair of thongs. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, there are jandals for people in New Zealand. Unless, the, uh, well, unless you're talking about the underwear thong as well. That would not yes, surprise me either. Yeah, there's a bit of both. Yep. About two of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Again, you know, I mean, my, my family are very. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> we're very open. Um, yeah, we're very open. We share each other's thongs and candles. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna uh, we get a picture of Tommy uh, for the episode yes. artwork, uh, just in a thong. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Come follow the mind, mate. We'll, uh, we'll discuss thongs. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think, like, mate. Um, We'll jump into the mind, mate. But I think a nice way into oh. into that is um, you always you said before that you're amazed what comes up when you start talking to people. And I mm. think at the moment, like we we live in a society now where we it's everything is very superficial with a lot of the interactions that we have with with people. And um, it's uh, how are you going? Oh yeah, I'm good. Or oh yeah, yeah. I'm busy. Um, or or not bad. There's nothing that there's nothing kind of that that deep, and we we keep our cards really close to our chest with uh, with the stuff that we're going through. Whereas, like a few hundred years ago or five hundred years ago, when we we're kind of living in in small communities or in tribes, and mm. everyone is kind of supporting each other and talking to each other. Mm. Um, this I'm assuming that this this stuff kind of got got talked about, but the way that society sits at the moment, it's it's very like there's kind of you're almost super connected, but also super isolated at this at the That's same right. time. And when you start asking questions, or probably more so when you start sharing your own experiences about things as well, it um it gives people the opportunity to to share theirs back and kind of talk through their their stories. Sometimes if you just ask the question then people aren't going to open up, but if you kind of no, show that sure. vulnerability to start with and kind of lead yes. that lead that conversation, then they'll they'll open up and they'll they'll come back with you. And um, yeah, when you when you start doing that, which is kind of one of the things that I've found mm. with the podcast, but also with my ability, my improved ability to have in depth conversations outside the podcast since I've started yeah. doing it as well, yeah. <laughs> um, that. It's amazing some of the shit that other people were going through that is very similar to you. What you're, what is happening for you? That you mm. thought, oh man, I'm just terminally unique in this in the stuff exactly. that I'm that I'm going through. And I think that is a really long winded way of uh, asking you. So, what's a mind mate? Yeah, well, I just wanted to touch on that again. Like we, we live, we live in this world where everyone's just too busy all the time. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm not going to tell you, Christo, how I really feel because, I mean, you got no time for me, man. Why the fuck do you care, you know? And um, it, it, was, uh, it was a bit selfish for me initially, if I, if I kind of, to, to, for lack of a better word, to be like, you know what, I'm just going to spill my stuff on other people and just see, see how it goes here because I've been, I've been um, doing some great work um, with my psychologist who's a, just a legend of a human being, um, someone I still keep in touch with, um, not for any reasons other than just – 
you know, saying how how you are. Yeah, good. <laughs> busy, yeah, busy. <laughs> yeah, it's just busy as shit, mate. Yeah. No, but open, honest um, communication, again, ingrained into me um, as a young age, but um, something that's very therapeutic and it's lost in this day and age because um, everyone's so busy. I just finished reading a book, actually, or listening to a book called Sapiens. And um, mm, brilliant. it's amazing. It's a great book, man. Yeah. Have you, have you read it? Yeah, I've read it. It's like, yeah. that just blew my mind. Uh. Oh, it did. It's just, oh, everyone... Everyone needs to to listen or read it, you know, or read it. But um, what I loved, what Yuval touched on, was that um, he said that you know initially when we started developing and building this thing that we now called agriculture, we started trying to get wheat localized into our own farmyards. But what was interesting that when we had wheat, we now lost more time because we had to care for the wheat, manage the wheat. A lot of birds and things, you know, attack the wheat. So in one way, the wheat kind of imprisoned us. And then if you look at that, you know thousands of years later we have all these things in life technology computers social media all these things in life that seemingly should be making our life a lot easier to deal with and yet people still have to escape and go on holidays and have to have to you know they call these things luxuries like buying a nice car or buying a nice tv but they've they've become necessities because life is just is just harder and busier than it ever has been if you choose for it to be that way so it's um you know, for, for when people say things like, oh, mate, I've been really busy, it's like, well, you know, I mean, we all are, but that's just a choice for you to look at it like that. And um, that's, I guess, when this open discussion thing came in. But I just wanted to um, build something that was um, a, just a no bullshit platform, you know, and um, it's not for everyone. And if it was, if it was, if someone came to me, you know, at the start of 2014 and said, hey, man, I've got this thing called the MindMate that's, um, you know, that's just dealing with open, honest communication. It's a platform and trying to build a community of people that are just super empowered by their experiences. Um, do you want to come on board? I would have said no way because it takes time to, to go through your own process. You know? So I definitely understand that the MindMate is not for, for, for everyone, but it's, 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 it is for everyone, but it's for people at a certain stage. And, and, and what I'm hoping is that by by promoting this certain stage that people that are really open and honest and I've had people um, you know we've got um, collaborations with people on the mind make that um, that are still currently going through things except they're just really honest about it and that is fantastic and if we can build a platform that everyone is honest about things then I feel that it's going to help people that are dealing with the more acute stuff like I was back in 20, 2014 because I wasn't I may may or may not have been so embarrassed or so or find it so hard to to talk with people. So it's essentially a platform um, that deals with open and honest communication in mental health. Um, it's a community. It's a it's a series of workshops as well, um, which is um, tailored around the the ten tools that I use that really genuinely help me in life. And I use the word tools because they they're things that I still go back back to if I if I need them. Um, now and then, but I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been in life. And, you know, the, the tool as an analogy is, you know, a, a tradie, I'm actually just thought of this recently, so um, get around me, mate. But uh, <laughs> yeah, a tradie, um, you know, he won't be carrying his hammer around all day, but he just uses his hammer when he has to hit a nail into a piece of wood. So for me, for example, if I'm, if I feel very cluttered, um, then I might, I may just have to use my diary writing or I may just have to use some meditation. Or if I feel pretty stagnant in life, um, I feel like the things that I'm working on or the things I'm very passionate about have um, just developed or just moved to the side initially, then maybe it's time for me to, to use, to use uh, tool number six, which is um, 
setting some challenges, you know, and they can be very simple things like um, getting uncomfortable, you know. Um, so having cold showers or talking to strangers or if you're single, talking to attractive people on the street, just little things that keep you um, bouncing in life. So it really is a, it's a workshop that um, that is trying to promote this understanding of tools and little things to make yourself feel better and, and, and happier because I, I just – in what I went through, I'm not negating anyone else, but with what I went through, I don't feel like recovery. I mean, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying to someone, hey, I can, I can help you recover from your mental health because number one, it's a journey, but number two, anxiety is an emotion. It's like saying recovering from anger. You can't recover from anger. You just learn how your own beautiful anger emotion rises and falls in your life. And from that, once you have that self-awareness, you want to try to build and facilitate a life where yang is relatively low or or it's more rational you know and if happiness is the goal then we should all become a little bit more self-aware and try to build happiness um, into every aspect of our life mm. yeah that's very cool man and i think like i mean that that ties into the to the busyness as well is that um with that busy busyness and inverted commas there that yeah. uh we we get into when we decide to be busy then a lot of those um those tools that you usually utilize that can mm. quite easily slip away they can. They um, can. and it's a it's kind of the, the self-awareness that you have developed going going through this process um mm. and as you said we're saying it's been an evolution and you've needed to get to a point where you're ready to to do this and people need to get to a point where they're ready to kind of engage with the mind mate and engage with kind of open and honest communication like like yeah. you were saying that um four four years ago you wouldn't have been you wouldn't have been ready for this and i mean i'm sure, sure that there's people out there now that aren't aren't ready for this um sure hopefully some of them are listening to the podcast and uh yeah. in six months time they 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 might be ready to go and go and do something like that and mm. then there'll be people that just kind of come and sit and listen for a little bit um yeah. and just kind of build things up and then start to start to engage with you as well yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think that the biggest thing that I really want to try to do is is I don't I don't want to be a a leader so much as a, a facilitator and just just be just really make people you know aware of the fact that um you know my anxiety is um, very much rational now. It's it's back down to a very appropriate level of people that um, wouldn't classify themselves anxious would would regard their anxiety at. So it's really important, but um, I'm definitely not someone that's happy all the time. You know, like. It, no one is, and um, I'm just someone that understands my own mind a little bit better than I used to, and has some tools that I really think can help people um, on an objective um, perspective. So it's um, it's it, again like the, the tools are great, but it's the it's the open communication that I think is the real big tick. And if if there if there is some sort of community out there where you know you know like the feeling when you when you walk in. Um, to a gym where all your mates are there or, you you know, your, your footy club or whatever, if we can all have a community like that, mate, it's just so therapeutic. And the reason I love the Mind Mates so much is because it's still so personally therapeutic, you know. I, the reason I, why I don't think I'll ever stop with the Mind Mate is because it keeps me sane just as much as I hope it would help other people as well. So um, 
I, I'm, I'm definitely in it for personal reasons. <laughs> it's fantastic, yeah. Mm, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's almost an important part of kind of any venture that you go into is that yeah. it, there has to be personal reasons and there for sure. even kind of, if, if you want to say, sort of an element of selfishness around oh, it as well. Yeah, and um, I think, yeah, you kind of identify, hey, this is, this is some of the stuff that I need to learn about. Yeah. Let's go and learn about it and kind of hopefully help help other people do it as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They say um, um, uh, to be selfless, you have to be selfish. You know, um, to 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 teach, you have to be taught, or things like that. And mate, that's just so true. Mm, mm. Um, so where where did you want the mind mate to go? Yeah, I, I think I, I wrote a vision, and um, it's a it's a teaching on the the side of, a, of an ambiguous vision but um it, it really is like what i said I'd, I'd love to create an environment um whether that's workshops and and a, and a facebook group where we can you know come together and on a global scale um but i'd love to create an environment or a space for people um and this is not a safe space either because of, you know I, I don't want this to be a oh this is a thing that i'm dealing with it's also a thing where people feel empowered to go you know what i fucking did this and i was really uncomfortable and it sucked and but I'm okay. I'm still pushing through it, you know. So it's not a place where we can just um, become isolated and, and do this and that. But it's a, it's a uh, an environment where people feel so comfortable owning their own experiences, which empowers them and um, and allows them to really come into their own. Because that that um, you know that personal identification with with stress is a really tough one to get through. Um, but um, when you really I guess not detach is the wrong word, but when you really just go, you know what, man, that fucking happened to me. You know, I used to think about this all the time or things like this. I was speaking with a mate um, just recently and I was like, mate, last week I just had a thought about kicking a baby in the head. (laughs) We both started laughing. I'm like, now, uh, just, I just want to let you know that I got anxious about it. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not keen to, uh, to, to hurt children, (laughs) but, um, just little things like that where, you know, I mean, if, if I was, my anxiety was quite high, that probably would have really scared me. But, um, yeah, it'd be great to, to see an environment where people um, are kind of at that level where they can um, almost laugh about how how fun, um, you know, mental health or, or anxiety can be. And, and obviously, I'm speaking very much in retrospect because I'm at a really good point in my life. And I'm, I'm saying all this with a complete understanding that can, there can be a lot of tough roads with it, um, for sure. Um, so I also want to create something where it's about consoling and, and recognizing that with people. Um, but... Um, yeah, I think overwhelmingly, I'd love to have a positive environment for it. Mm. Yeah, very cool, man. Um, mm. Tommy, if if someone is in a bit of a tough spot at the moment, what are yeah. what are some of your tools that you use that that might be helpful for them? Yep, for sure. I think um, I really genuinely do believe in reaching out for for psychology. I think it's great. A lot of people that develop these recovery methods and things go, "Oh, this is my one stop shop," and all this sort of stuff, and like I'm not going to sit here and say it didn't work for them, um, but I really feel like psychology works great. My psychologist was fantastic in in teaching me about um, basic things, you know, that, that we just don't know. But they they well they should be they should be basic, but they're not because we just don't know about it. Um, so I look at psychology um, like putting a band aid on a on a on a wound that just won't stop bleeding. Um, Ultimately, it comes down to us, which is where my tools come into to rip the Band-Aid off and, 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 and heal on our own. But initially, um, talking to people about it, and I, I guess specialists, so psychologists and people that deal with 
uh, behavioral cognitive therapy and, and things like that are just awesome. Um, they're really good. Um, so, so that's good. Actually, you know what, even personally, just to plug them, the mine room, um, in Melbourne is, is really good. So they're the guys that I went and saw, but coming after that and then just developing tools and strategies that work within your, uh, your own life. Um, when you are ripping that bandaid off, um, some of the, I, I mean, I genuinely believe in all 10 tools of mine cause I still use all of them, but, um, diary writing is number one and it, it is just so, so easy to do. You just go, dear diary. I mean, I just go, g'day, Tom. And then I start talking about my day, you know, and I don't do it any day, every day. I just do it when I feel like I kind of need to, when I'm a bit clogged and I feel like I'm just not really sure what I'm, why I'm getting anxious or why I'm getting angry about this, you know. Um, it's a really great way just to declutter yourself. Um, tool, tool number two is not so much practical. It's much more theory-based into talking about what anxiety is and, and why we have it. It's an evolved emotion. Um, to keep us, you know, safe in an immediate return environment. You know, for example, oh shit, I'm hungry. I get anxious. I go find food. I uh, I fuel that hunger, and then I no, no longer get anxious. And we yeah, we have everything in abundance this day and age. So our uh, anxiety mechanisms are um, kind of all over the place. We don't they don't really know what they need to do. So no, tool number two is that that one. But definitely diary writing in the initial stages. Um, uh, if you feel comfortable. Tool number five is is open, honest communication, which I think is fantastic. But um, but yeah, I, I really would say tool number one. The reason I do again is tool, the the ten tools are, are set out chronologically. So I would never suggest to someone that's acutely going through this just to start meditating um, because I just I believe that you have to be open to certain things. Like I, I meditate all the time. I really love meditation. Uh, my girlfriend would tell me otherwise, but I try to meditate <laughs> all the time. <laughs> But I mean, man, if you told me to meditate um, at the start of it, I'd be like, "Fuck off!" Like, I, this just doesn't work. It's stupid. It's spiritual bullshit, you know. But um, so I came into discussing it openly, meditating, talking to other people when I was ready for it, and that's how the tools are set out. So, again, um, not to sound like a broken record, but just diary writing and and. Um, getting a little bit more in tune with yourself and, and how you roll as a person is, is great. Yeah. 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 And I think that like, <clears throat> I really like the way you, you set it out is that it is kind of, it, it's a, there are a whole lot of different ones, but also they kind of step through as well and they build on top of each other. So as you were saying with meditation, like that's mm. uh, if someone hasn't tried that before or hasn't done that before, it's a pretty confronting experience, especially confronting. if you've got a lot of shit whirring around in oh. your head at the time. Sure. Um, yep. you go and try and sit quietly even for like three minutes you're just like yep. what the what the fuck yeah. is going on here oh um, for sure so it is it's something you kind of need to you need to build up at and it's like it's like physical training mental training mm. as well as that you need to you need to do it slowly and do it over do it over time but i mean i agree with your your diary writing as well as that mm. sometimes i just need to sit down and kind of get stuff get stuff out get stuff written down yeah. um that b before i can make sense of it like i find that i struggle at times to make sense of things inside my head because there's so yeah. much other noise that's happening and exactly. either i need to sit down and write down the the shit that's going on and so i can focus on it a little bit more mm. or actually kind of have a conversation around it as well but like the challenging thing about having a conversation around it is that sometimes it takes a couple or it takes a wee while for my ideas to become concrete as well. Yeah. So if yeah. other people are really good at getting their ducks in a row in their head, 
they would just be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, just <laughs> right. get to the point, man. Do you actually like, want to kick a baby in the head yeah. right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't yeah, know like, what... I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me get my boats. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's exactly I, right. Yeah, I, yeah right. sometimes I, I don't know what the point is until I've actually talked about it for five or ten minutes as well. Definitely. Um, and it, it's, the, it's the thing of in this day and age when we're constantly infiltrated with information and cues and, you know, your brain... Uh, this is year 12 PE, you know, your brain can only um, process one cue at a time. And if we're, we're, we live in this environment where we're scrolling all the time and there's information, 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 and you have one anxious thought, it's, it's hidden away behind a shit ton of, you know, baby goat compilation videos and, uh, and likes and shit and all this stuff. It's, it, I mean, how the hell are you going to find that in your brain? You know, so um, diary writing is just good to get it all on the information and go, Oh yeah, that's what's actually scaring me right now. Mm, mm. Yeah, there's a lot of sparkly shit out there eh, that it's it's just real yeah. easy to get magpie distracted by. Yep. Totally. Um, <laughs> but if people want to check out your your tools and check out the mine, mm. mate, where where should they go? Yeah, so you can literally just go to um, www.themindmate.com. So it's just the mind as in brain, and then mate as in get mate. <laughs> um, so themindmate.com. Um, there's a full um, uh, category. So there's a pool. I'm not sure how you would say it. There's like a, a, uh, a scroll down or something or a, a link you can click on the website. Um, it's just called the 10 tools. Um, that links you to my, um, YouTube, um, page as well, which is just my ugly head talking about it. So, um, it's all there and, um, yeah, all the information is there. It's great. And same thing for, for, uh, for Instagram. That's good. Yeah. The mymax69bigpuppet.com. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully there'll be a few more pictures and thongs as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're hoping for it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> we're for it. Yeah. Tommy, um, another question I have for you is um, yeah. like setting up the mind mate and kind of building this space, what challenges have you faced in doing that? Yeah. Well, it, it initially started um, with me writing the book. So I'm actually just about to start the publishing process of the book, which I'm really pumped about. Um, but it all started off as a book, and um, I wrote the first draft in 20 days because it just felt like, and that was 80,000 words. I just sat down and just, you know, streamlined it because um, it was just in my head, and I was like, finally, I can get all this stuff out. Uh, but it was a very, very organically grown thing, you know. I mean, for me to sit here now and say it's, it's workshops and it's, it's, it's the book and it's a platform of things, I'm like, fucking hell, really? <laughs> so, but, I mean, I started writing the book. You know what? I started writing the book tomorrow one year ago Ooh, how's happy that happy anniversary yeah thank you mate thank you yeah it's been uh are we going out for this still <laughs> let's i'm keen yeah i'm keen for it <laughs> so it was uh a year ago tomorrow that i started writing the book and um the tools i didn't actively think how can i get this to other people the, the chapter of the the tommy's 10 tools as i called it called it at the time were written in about three hours because they were just what I used. Um, and then I kind of wanted to promote the book. Um, a good friend of mine, Carl Paoli, who's a gymnastics guy, um, and he does his own seminars around the world. He's a legend. Um, we were we were talking on a on an adventure fit trip actually. And I was like, man, how do I publish this thing? He's like, do whatever you do. Don't um, don't go through it. Um, not only being super honest, super 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 honest in the book. Um, I couldn't be any more honest with regard to specific things and thoughts that I went through, which is very hard to come to terms with. But in doing so, it's been great because I'm just so um, empowered by it now. But 
the first YouTube I made, the, the, the YouTube video I made about the mind mate, um, and just kind of letting the world know that um, this seemingly larrikin, happy-go-lucky sort of dude um, had struggled with anxiety was was quite scary for me. Um, and in one way or another, that was anxiety there. <laughs> but um, just building it, you know. Um, but I guess if you just keep doing one uncomfortable thing over and over again, it becomes very habitual. And I'd, I'd love to be able to look back on myself in a couple of years, even now, and go, wow, I, I was so scared even then. You know, um, I don't feel very, I don't feel scared at all in talking about anything about the mind mate now. But I mean, if I could look back at myself even six months ago and, sh- and go, shit, you're actually talking about those, those sexually intrusive thoughts, or you're talking about the fact that you actually had to pick up rubbish. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like that, that uncomfortable, you know, building on the, those habitual, habitual actions are, um, are so powerful, you know? So I'm so thankful that, that, um, uh, that I did it. Um, so just to get around myself a little bit there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think it's it's really interesting when you kind of look back. It, it, like I love your point about if you keep doing something that is uncomfortable continuously, sooner or later it's it's going to become – there's going to be an element of comfort to it. I mean oh, there, yeah. are, there are things that are, are kind of a never going to be – comfortable probably like oh. bullfighters find that uh, there's still a bit of bit of anxiety that sits here yeah, every, yeah. Uh, every time they jump yeah. into the ring but yeah. not to not to condone bullfighting um no, right. but uh, it was yeah. the first one that jumped to mind um <laughs> but yeah I, I was reading something that i'd written at the end of 2015 just kind mm. of having a bit of a, a review of the year and um mm. i read that and i was like I remember all the stuff happening, but shit, I've come a long way and I've I've evolved a lot since yeah. I wrote this and the stuff yeah. that I was doing at this time is just like I've built on it and it's got it's so so much bigger and so much better. Yeah. Because I've kind of continuously got uncomfortable and continuously challenged yeah. myself and that stuff that I was writing about that I was like I'm doing this, but it's it's pretty fucking hard. Yeah, for sure. There's now something that is just really automatic for me to do, and it, it's easy. Yep, definitely. And, you know, we spoke about before the show um, how we both think it's important for people to have their own podcast. Mm. Podcasting and putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation where you're you're trying to become someone's friend in, like, over, over a Skype or in an hour and become, like, especially the shows that you and I run, um, where it's conversational talk. It, it's... it's um, it's very scary, very scary initially, but you know we're we're a year and a half in. You're you're a year in, so we're, we're both at the same same um, stage now. And you just feel so confident that you can just walk up to anyone and go, "Hey, man, how's it going?" Before you know it, you're just speaking a, about a wide array of things. So, podcasting, I feel, is not only the way the the social um, media sort of spark is going because people, again, you know, have less time for things and they just want to have audio in their heads while they're doing a million other things. But it's a really good personal tool that allows us to actually have the confidence to talk to people. You know, so many people out there don't feel comfortable just going up and talking to a stranger. And my, my last tool in the 10 tools is talking to strangers because it's like, all right, you've got all this shit under your belt now. Let's go out and give it a crack. How about you go up and talk to that dude eating a burger and just ask him how his day was and see if you can sit with him for 20 minutes. I reckon you'd be doing a great job if everyone could do that, you know. Yeah, man, I, I completely agree. Do you find that you make other people awkward sometimes now with the way that you ask them uh, in-depth questions? You're like, how are you? And then yeah. just go real deep, real fast. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the yeah. hell is going on here? Yeah, yeah. Mate, I'm just, I'm just keen for a burger. <laughs> so, uh, so tell me about your father. <laughs>
Yeah, I, I do it, and I, I, I mean, I, I love it. I, um, my, um, my, it was a good test. My, uh, one of the chicks that I was dating, um, a couple of years back was a girl that walked past a burrito store. My mate was like, "Dude, did you go and talk to her? She's fucking hot." And I'm like, "Yeah, all right, sweet." So I, I ran out and just started having a conversation with her, which is good fun. But it was, um, it was scary as hell. But um, you know, it's. I reckon I probably made her pretty uncomfortable because she was kind of on the back foot and she was like, oh, that's so lovely. You know, like, no, no one's ever, no one's ever done that to me before. And I'm like, yeah, because it's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh, you know, if you, if you're honest about it, you can have a bit of fun with it. And I think as long as you don't walk around to everyone on the street, go, Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? You know, and do it for um, the reason of just putting yourself out there in a bit of an uncomfortable situation. Um, it's important. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, that last tool is kind of like a, an umbrella term for just do something really wacky and strange. And I think Tim Ferriss, um, he, he, he likes to, um, just go into a really public space and just lie on the ground flat for like 20 seconds and then just get up and walk off. And I think that's cool because you, when you draw attention to yourself, it's like, Oh shit. Like, am I, you know, am I, I'm getting judged here. Like, is this an app? It's like, nah, man, you're just giving things a crack. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that as well. And, uh, I was having a chat with someone the other day and uh, they said, just, you should really go and just do something that you know that you're going to fail at. Oh yeah. Just because people will look at you and you'll just get better at dealing with kind of uh, failure, but also sort of uh, judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Did you figure what, so did you figure out what that was for you? A little Uh, failure? I haven't, um, it was only a couple of weeks ago. So I've been, I've been thinking about that, but um, (laughs) I'll, I'll let you know when I when I decide what it's yeah, what it's going to be. Yeah, give us a message. I'd be interested to know. That'd be a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Tommy, you you mentioned podcasting before, and like we haven't we haven't talked about it. And I'm just having yeah. a little bit of a look at the time, and uh, don't want to kind of chew people's ears off. But yeah, yeah. Um, you are a co-host of a uh, of a wildly successful podcast. Do you want to <laughs> do you want to give that a bit of a plug? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, my friend, he's a uh, He's probably my best day-to-day mate for sure. Um, Bill, he uh, founded AdventureFit Travel, which is a uh, an adventure company for the uh, fitness community. We don't really call it that anymore because anyone really does it. But um, we have a podcast that goes along with AdventureFit Travel, and that's called AdventureFit Radio. And it's it's so much fun, man. It's we, we've spoken from from um, people from uh, porn stars to musicians, um, CrossFit Games athletes, astronauts. Um, and like everyone just has a legendary story to tell and Bill and I can get both pretty uh, larrikin at the best of times when we're together. So it's a really good way just to um, just to relax and make um, tons of dick jokes and uh, talk about stupid shit, but also get into some in-depth conversations well with people that are like objectively successful, you know. So it's it's a load of fun. It's great. Yeah. So if you uh, – if you're into the sort of podcasting realm that um, can teeter on some some serious stuff, but also is just a, a uh, conversational banter, then um, get around Adventure Radio. Yeah, personal plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some uh, deeply philosophical conversations about penises in there, so uh, yeah, that's right. en- enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. But oh, um, <laughs> I've uh, I've got a couple of uh, questions that I usually ask everybody, but I think it would yeah. probably be remiss if. Um, I didn't kind of have a, li- a brief chat about my mental health as well. Yeah, um, yeah. before we before we kind of uh, I asked them for you, and um, yeah. 
I I kind of think that like I, I like to think of myself as that I've I've always been kind of someone that's been on a relatively even keel. Like um, mm-hmm. when I was when I was a little, I used to worry about stuff um, a certain amount. I don't think kind of uh, out of the norm. Like, mm-hmm. uh, are we going to be on time to to catch that plane, or are we going to yeah. be on time to to do this thing? Or I need to oh jump shit, there's from a the- tiger on my bed. <laughs> yeah, 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 I need to. Uh, rough, <laughs> yeah, need to jump from the middle of the room to. Uh, <laughs> so nothing uh, nothing sucks me under the bed and um yeah and also scary movies freaked me the fuck out oh, as well yeah so i what, used what's to one? Do, you have, do you have one that's like a shocker a really um a really kind of awkward one i don't know if you've ever seen chitty chitty bang bang so it's oh, like you not- mean on the with the the bed is that the one I'm talking? About? Oh no, I'm no, thinking no, of no. It's a, it's a flying car, no. flying car. Yeah, no, I've seen Chitty Chitty Bang yeah. Bang. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's yeah. not a like it's not a typical. <laughs> you mean scary the family movie. love? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang oh, Bang yeah. that lived under the city and caught the children scared the hell out of me. Oh mate, that's that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. So I used to like speaking of Catholic Catholic guilt. I used to say my prayers before I went to bed, and I was like, yeah. "Please don't let the child catcher come and get me. <laughs> yeah. Please don't let the chitty chitty bang bang." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not let me think about chitty chitty bang bang. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I've probably always been a little bit of a little bit of a warrior, and I mean, thankfully, I've never. I've never suffered from depression or anything like that as yeah. well. I mean, I've had I've had times where I've been down, um, but sort of it's been on a kind of a, an up and down uh, through through life. I think mm. um, from from my point of view, anyway. Um, but I mean, there are there are times that I have that I I feel anxious at times, and yep. they kind of manifest. I think in in a way that um, I end up just feeling quite stressed and mm. just hold a lot of like. Physical tension is usually the first way I notice it, kind of through my shoulders, through my neck, through my upper back, and just kind of look uh, look at my breathing, and it's like it's just really apical. It's just up, up top, and um, yeah. And then, I'm, like once I notice that, I'm like, actually, there's something going on here that I need yeah. to to have a look at. And usually, it's because I'm worried about something or because I'm stressed about something that. For the most part, isn't something that I particularly need to to stress yeah. about, or it's something yeah. that I can address quite quickly by having a quick conversation, or actually just doing a little ten minute task that I can that I can get out of the way. Yes, um, but it, I find it it just it builds if I don't if I don't stay on top of it, and mm. um, <clears throat> I've so kind of that's that's like the majority of the the sort of mental health stuff that I've I've had to deal with. I've yeah, I've had a couple of. Um, I haven't actually talked to anyone about this before, but I've I've right. had a couple of panic attacks. Yeah, um, and they were only I've only ever had two. One of them was um, one of them was just at home, and yep. I was just like I just got the sun real tightness in my chest, and I was like, I couldn't mm. breathe, and this this feeling in my in my guts that were just like what's what's going on here and it just freaked me the hell out and like Mm. i just kind of crouched down on the floor and i was like what's happening here and i was like oh shit it's a panic attack sure what's going on and like i thankfully i was at the point where i was self-aware enough that by that stage that i was like ah it's a panic attack yeah that that, this is pretty horrible but like it's gonna it's gonna go it's gonna be something that it just sort of rides out and i was like oh yeah it is that is is really bad, and I think 
I, I think probably the thing that that triggered that was that like I'd had a I'd had a pretty big night out the night before um, and it yep. just kind of got that got to that point where there was probably a little bit of a, a chemical imbalance going on there as as well with the, the amount of, of panic that was that was happening um, so I think there there was a definitely a, a trigger there so that's yep. I mean that's one of the that's one of the things that yeah I haven't really talked to anyone about that. Yeah. Before and that's I mean, great, man. thankfully, that's, I really appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh no, no worries, man. Thankfully, I've, I've I haven't had it, had one since that. Um, yeah. And I think partially that, uh, like I I stopped drinking about nine months ago. Um, okay. Just com- completely. Um, okay. Nice. I'd always been like quite a quite a binge drinker as yeah. well. Um, growing up in in New Zealand, as I'm sure in Australia as well, <laughs> around a uh, yeah a uh, kind of a, a footy culture for me. It was the the rugby club, but um, yes. I kind of yeah. I got to the point where probably alcohol was getting more from me than I was getting from it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was just like, oh, just I'm, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a year off, um, yep. and just kind of see what see what happens. And I'm about nine months into it, and um, yep. I'm just kind of I'm sitting here at the moment and thinking, actually, do I even start again? Yeah, exactly. There, yeah. Like things are things are going all right, but I think that was kind of one of the that that panic attack was kind of one of the triggers as well to to yeah. uh, push me into into stopping yeah i think there there are two points i want to touch on that you actually made reference to which is um really important for people learning about this stuff is that um it sounds to me like that yeah you you had that panic attack um a when you know um you were probably unhealthy ish in your body because you'd have Mm -hmm. a you'd have a night out which we've all had you know but also too it sounds like you were probably at home doing something rather mentally unstimulating and i think that the, the the amazing thing about um, our thoughts and stuff is that when if we're not doing things that are stimulating and we're not passionate about things and if we're just sitting at home all day, which we're obviously all um, you know liberated to do, liberated is the wrong word. What's the word I'm looking for here? We should all feel comfortable doing that. Um, but um, you know, Netflix binges are great. But um, if you're doing something mentally unstimulating, your mind can start to go inside itself. And um, I've definitely experienced that, those sorts of panic attacks as well, where it's, you know, you're, do, you're not doing anything, all of a sudden you have this what-if thought because your mind doesn't know any better. It's just boring. Like it's the brain uses the most energy out of any other muscle in the body and um, it needs to be stimulated, you know. Um, but also too as well, you know, everybody has the anxiety emotion, right? So everybody will at some stage in their lives get anxious. And I think a really important distinction is to make is, with come with and it comes with a little bit of self awareness um, is right. Is the reason why I'm anxious right now rational or is it irrational? Is there a tiger on my bed who's growling and is about to chew my fucking leg off? That's probably pretty fair. I probably should be freaking out right now. Or am I sitting at home thinking about the possibility of me becoming a schizophrenic and I'm getting freaked out? It's probably irrational, you know. So it's very hard to make those decisions when they're very acute and you're very new to them. But I mean, anxiety again is it's a it's a very important evolved survival mechanism. It is something that we need and have needed. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here talking. There would be no more humans in the world if we didn't have the emotion of anxiety. So for something to evolve to keep us safe, um, fear is this this 
thing that kind of um, almost tries to read the future of, of when danger is going to happen to us. If there's a tiger growling at me, sure, I'm going to get anxious because if it bites me, I'm going to die or I'm going to get hurt. That, that's danger. You know, Danger is a real thing. <clears throat> but if I'm sitting at home worrying about the idea that there could be a tiger in my room when in fact there's not, that's not rational fear. You know, that's not that, that, that anxiety isn't rational. And then that's when the tools can come in or, or whatever you need to do to, to figure it out. So it's important people make those distinctions. Mm, yeah, that's a very good point, I think. Mm. Um, but let's, let's jump into these questions. Um, yeah. First one is they're not quite as rapid fire as uh, oh, the yes. adventure fit ones. There's, there's a little bit more. Uh, you can elaborate a, a bit more if you sure. want. Um, so the first <laughs> one is what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? Uh, well, I think the, um, the, the last uncomfortable thing I did was literally 20 minutes ago. I tried to do something really uncomfortable and it was um, – <clears throat> I put a post up um, on the uh, the mind made about my dad and his anxiety because um, I think that's really important. Um, but I think it's just – what I try to do now with my uncomfortable things, I really try to fill my life with uncomfortable things all the time. Um, but I try to not allow the time space for my head to start talking me out of it. So if I can straight away go, oh, let's just fucking do it, you know, um, then that probably really helps. And I was probably a bit uncomfortable about it because I'm more than happy talking about myself and I'm more than happy building a community. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I just, for some bizarre reason, and dad had sent me the blog and had sent me the photo and stuff, um, I just felt a bit worried that dad had kind of, you know, there'd be some backlash there. But um, it was kind of a thing where it's like, you know what, dad said it's all good, I'm going to do it. So it was um, the, the, the notion of taking action before you allow those thoughts to come in, which is um, something I really try to live by in this day and age as well, is just just taking action. Mm, yeah, that's a very good point. Mm. What's the uh, what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do, and why is that uncomfortable for you? I think I think um, the next big thing is starting to do a lot more public speaking events, and I, I love public speaking, but I've had um, two panic attacks whilst public speaking. In uh, when I was going through my significant anxiety issues. And the reason I say why I love it is because panic and anxiety, again, is this beautiful thing that will, um, it will hold on to, to memories and, and, and situations so that you don't get anxious or you don't do those things again. So again, when we think about anxiety as an evolved emotion, if there is a tiger <coughs> And again, I always just use this example because it's just so simple. But if there's a tiger on my bed and he's growling at me and I manage to somehow get away with it, if I see a tiger again, I'm probably going to get a bit anxious because my mind has habitually held on to those thoughts and emotions and physical symptoms to go, hey, man, remember the last time you saw the tiger? I mean, you're in some pretty serious danger. Let's, let's try to keep you alive by not going there. So <clears throat> excuse me, when I, when I had those panic attacks – I've got this habitual thing in my head now to always kind of fear public speaking, um, which I uh, – so anytime I get on stage and I talk publicly, um, I, I, it's un- very uncomfortable for me. But it's just so much more uh, empowering and it's so much more person- personally meaningful because I'm being very subjectively brave every time I do it. So I'm obsessed with it now and it's, it's great. Yeah, that's real cool, man. That's really yeah. cool. Um, Tommy, I mean, we've, we've talked on on this next question a little bit throughout the, the conversation, but do you have any uh, typical strategies that you use to help yourself get uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, 
I think um, observing it is really good. Uh, so Bill and I went rock climbing today and uh, we were up pretty high and there was this one called the Leap of Faith um, that I actually put up on my uh, Instagram. So, um, so it was a jump where, you know, the, the harness was holding on to me, but there was a bit of free fall there initially. And I think um, you start to have all that tension build up, rise up. But if you just take a one conscious breath and you become uh, the observer of the mind, this is probably getting into a bit of Eckhart Tolle sort of stuff here, but it's it's really good and very practical. Um, if you become a, a very observant of it, um, you no longer identify yourself with it. And that's a very powerful thing to just recognize the uncomfortableness um, or anxiety as a, as a friend. I call it Gary, but as a, as a separate little um, entity almost that you can um, befriend and then you guys can both go through that uncomfortableness together rather than having something feel like it's bubbling up inside of you and, and it's, it's uncontrollable. So observing, observing. Yeah, very cool, man. Um, mm. I've got one one more question for you, Tommy, but um, yep. I just want to take a minute to say thanks very much for uh, sitting down on the leather chair and just yeah. kind of sweating sweating through the last uh, yeah. hour, 10 minutes <laughs> I love um, them, man. To, to chat with me. But um, I also want to take a, to, a second to say thank you as well for all the work that you were doing um, with the mind mate and being mm. so open and honest um, and vulnerable about your journey with uh, with your mental health and really kind of sparking some of that the conversation and allowing people to open up to you uh, just kind of on the street having a burrito but also yeah. uh, on the mind mate <laughs> platform as well it's um, it's really cool really important work that you're doing man yeah, thank you so much, mate. And it's 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 just as important for me as well. Again, it's like it's a it's a huge um, therapeutic tool for me. So I'm I'm just as thankful as um as as those people doing it for sure. Awesome. Um, final question for you, Tommy, is do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, I really like that question. Um, okay, I will say that as hard as we made it out to be, try to spend seven minutes with yourself with no external stimulation and just let your thoughts move um, from, from, from thought to thought like a cloud in the sky and, and just see what, um, see what you come out with, um, see what you start thinking. I think that's a really, it's a really tough thing for people to do to, um, to say, you know what, I'm just going to have five minutes now. People, people relax through the use of external stimulation or people do things through other things, um, you know, like, oh, I've had a big day at work, I'm going to now – relax by watching TV and get more information, but um, try to just actively spend some time with yourself um, because the best way to um, to get to know yourself is to spend time with yourself. Mm, that's an awesome challenge, I think, to finish on, mate. Uh, mm. Tom Ahern, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. <laughs> Beautiful, mate. Um, uh, hopefully that wasn't in, a, uh, in an, an unusual context, but uh, maybe podcast part two, mate. We can get uncomfortable together. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. I will look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> 